0: To all of us what is called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Now, we hear a different version of it than we pray in today's Gospel from Luke. The version we pray that we grew up with is the version that is in Matthew's Gospel. This is a slightly different, truncated, smaller version, which is typical of rabbinic teaching by the way. This isn't um, uh, you know, ...somehow two different writers hearing two different things... ...they literally did learn how to pray in two different ways... ...across the three years that they are with Jesus. We know this because Jews um, prayed formula prayers like we pray... ...as Catholic Christians today because we're Judeo-Christians... ...so we have some of that tradition. And the Jews would pray things like the Shema every day three times a day... ...but they also would often pray the 18 blessings... Which comes from the torah and when you look at um, that in scriptures and also in commentaries the rabbis of the first century you see the longer versions of the blessings and the shorter versions of that so that's kind of what's going on here in case you kind of wonder like why is luke saying the our father in a different way he was probably exposed to a smaller and a longer version i want to really comment really in this homily on just one line within the our father lead us not into temptation because i think that if we've ever thought about the our father as we pray the our father that seems kind of strange to us why would we be asking the father because jesus taught us why would he teach us this if you want to learn how to pray pray our father And at the end it says, and lead us not into temptation. Why is Jesus asking us to tell the Father, don't lead us into temptation? Does God lead us into temptation? So that's what I want to touch upon today. And also, it's a timely thing too. Because I don't know if you've uh, heard in the press in the last six months or so... uh, the the press comment that maybe the Pope is going to change some of the wording of the Our Father. Anybody hear about that in the press? Okay, first of all he's not going to do that, you know. That's the press being the press. At least as far as what I've read. And not just the sound bites, but the actual talks of the Pope. What the Pope I think is getting at when he addresses specifically this line, and lead us not into temptation, is he's simply raising the question, what does that mean because if we think that it means what we think it means meaning that god could actually lead us into temptation to sin we would be wrong and so the pope has commented on this a couple different times in order just to highlight what it is that we don't believe and also to prompt discussions of what it is ...that we actually believe. So, since this came out in the press a few months ago... ...I've been waiting for this to show up in the scriptures... ...so we could speak about it today. So let's jump into it. Lead us not into temptation. Is We first have to look at the word temptation... ...just in English alone. When we think about temptation... ...of course our minds go to being tempted to sin... ...or being enticed into sin... That's where they first go. And there's some truth to that because to be tempted in a moral sense, we could be tempted to do something that we know God doesn't want us to do or even ourselves we don't want to do, but then we do it. Maybe we're locked into an addiction or habit or whatever. So yes, that's a proper way of understanding temptation, but it also has a broader context too. And ultimately I think that's where Jesus is going with this. And we know that God does not lead us into temptation to sin. That's up and down the scriptures. But I'll just give you one example very briefly. James chapter 1 verse 13. James, a disciple of Jesus, says this about God. He says, God himself cannot be tempted to evil. And he tempts no one. So God does not tempt us to evil. He does not tempt us to sin. So when Jesus is teaching us, when the disciples ask, teach us how to pray, and he says, lead us not into temptation, that's not what he means. That the Father would somehow lead us into sin. So that's the first thing that we really need to make sure that we hear correctly and understand appropriately because if we don't then we get god wrong and then we get our relationship with god wrong too let's look a little bit deeper at that word temptation it comes from a greek word as we know the gospels were written first in greek so luke is recording in greek what jesus ...had taught his disciples. The Greek word is... ...perasmos. Perasmos is the Greek word. And it can certainly mean temptation. In a narrow sense, like the sense of sin... ...but also in a broader context. But, it also can be translated as test... ...or as trial... Test or as trial. Parasmus shows up in the New Testament in all three ways. Translated. So we know that it had multiple applications. But what I think our Holy Father was trying to point to is that it really means all three things. And especially it means all three things in the context of the Lord's Prayer of the Our Father. So, just think about that for a second. Parasmus, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into the test. Lead us not into the trial. Does God lead us into trials? Does he bring trials to us? Does he test us? And the answer to that is yes and no. There are times, we see it in the scriptures, where Jesus himself is put to the trial to the test like in the garden of Gethsemane where he is feeling the darkness of what is going to happen to him and he cries out Lord if it's possible let this, this suffering this cup pass from me but not my will but your will be done and we also know that Jesus put his disciples to the test And he knew that they were going to go through many trials after his death and resurrection, right? So there are times where we have experiences in our lives where that thing is difficult and there is suffering, there's challenges to us, and this is part of God's will for our lives, but not for our bad, because his will is always for our good, and I'll get to that. But more often than not, far more often than not. It's not God's direct will that we're going through some sort of test or trial, but it is Him allowing us to experience it by the simple fact that we're human beings who live in a fallen world, and we have a fallen humanity, and we have free choice, and other people have free choice. And when those intersections of people's free choices and our fallenness collide sometimes we get hurt by the will of another or sometimes we hurt another or we hurt ourselves by our choices or sometimes just in our fallenness the very fact that we are frail physically and that we're mortal and that we suffer and we die there's many ways in which life can be trying with our jobs with our relationships with our decisions, with our health, and so on. Those can all be tests or trials for us. And they're not God willing it, but God can get in it and he can use it. Again, not to cause us to fall or to fail, but in fact, for our good. So let's go to that. Lead us not into the test or lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into trial. Let's think about this in a contemporary context. A student at college has to take many tests, right? Many, many tests over the course of four years. But let's use the example of a doctor. And this person, this student, has like eight years or more of different tests, exams, right? Now, when a professor gives that test, those series of tests over years, to a student, why, why does he or she do that? What's the purpose? Is it to cause that purpose that person to fail? Is it to cause the person to fall? No. And it's the same goes with God. When we have tests or trials in our lives, he's not giving them to us to cause us to fail or to fall. So why does a professor do that? Because a professor knows that these trials, not just the one-offs, but the series that goes on with the whole process over the course of many years is cumulative. It it, it accumulates. It it aggregates. It, It grows. And by taking tests on a regular basis, what does a person have to do? They have to be ready for the test. They have to be prepared for the test. So that means you have to study. And when they study, because they know a test is coming, they gain knowledge. It stretches them. It expands their mind. It informs them. It helps them to become an expert... ...in an area of a field of study... ...where they're going to need access to all that knowledge... ...and all that experience... ...all that information... ...in order to do what it is that they feel called to do... ...to be the doctors of the lives of other people. And so the test actually strengthens them... ...causes them to grow and to mature... ...and it not only then just helps them... ...but once they become doctors... It helps them help other people, too. So as other people come to them in their trials and the tribulations with their health, they themselves understand that trial and test, the challenges it presents, but also the opportunities, and they're able to minister to them. They're able to take on those questions and those doubts, and they're able to work through all the questions that they had and all the information that they gathered and use it to help another person. So in the case of a professor giving a series of tests, it's not just for the good of the individual, it's for the good of the society, of other good people, of other people in general. And I think when we look at it in that context, we begin to start to see correctly what it is that Jesus may be getting at here. When he is asked by his disciples, we see how you pray. So teach us how to pray. Okay, our Father who art in heaven. And he goes through the prayer, but then he also adds, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Understood in this way, Parasmos then helps us to understand our relationship with God correctly. Yes, we are going to go through trials. And we are going to go through tribulations. But here's the thing they can strengthen us because what did they do as we go through them individually as we go through series of them over the course of a life's journey they cause us to cry out to God to recognize our need for God to to cling to God to hold on to him to pray to him to uh, trust in him to have faith in him to follow him no matter what's going on in our life good or ill It causes us to, it stretches us, it expands us, it readies us, it prepares us for the next trial and the trial after that. And it accumulates. So over the course of our lives, we become stronger and stronger in our faith. Not despite the trials and the tests, but because of them. And not only then for us, but it also prepares us to help others. So as we mature and grow in our faith, then the people that God gives us, our spouses, who will go through trials, we're able to get into the messiness of those trials and help them rather than not know what to do with them. And when our children are growing up and facing the challenges of their youth and adolescence and their young adult life, we're able to get into that messiness and help them to hang on to their faith rather than walk away from the faith. Which leads me to my next point. There's been a lot of studies that have been done in this last generation about students taking tests. And what we're finding over time is that many students cheat on tests when they're asked anonymously, have you ever cheated on a test, right? So this is where temptation and tests and trial come together and they all three mean something together rather than separately and they all three have meaning for here and that's why we get it in English as temptation. Just as a student is tempted during the trials of testing when he's not ready, when she's not prepared and they get into the test and they cheat, they find uh, an excuse or an easy way out so they think and we know what that result is it doesn't truly develop the person right and not only then do they not benefit but the field of study that they're working in the people do not benefit because they've been cheating along the way so it's not good it might be good on the spot the person feels but it's not good for him or her and that's good not good for other people Well, it's the same temptations that come to us when we go through trials and tests in our lives. And Jesus knew this because he went through it himself and he knew that his disciples were going to go through it all the way down to you and I to this day. Maybe you know this already. And maybe you know people in your life who you love who have gone through this. And it goes something like this. Something happens to us in life. Something that's really difficult that's hard that's a struggle and through that we use that experience to walk away from god we fall under the temptation that accompanies a trial and a test rather than the test or the trial draw us closer to god we wave a fist at god and we say listen I've been good all my life. And this is what I get for being good? I'm not going to follow you. Right? Or if this is how you treat your friends, I'd rather not be your friend. And so, through the trials and tribulations that some people experience, they fall under the temptation of that trial or tribulation of that test. And they walk away from God not towards God. Do you know people like that? I meet with them every week here at St. Francis. Every week I have people I meet with, parishioners and non-paritioners across my life who have gone through difficulties in their life and it brings about all kinds of confusion and questions and worries and anxieties and, and, and literally the decision just to walk away from God. And I have many families who ask me to pray for family members along, that, along those lines. So I know it happens. Whereas what Jesus is teaching us when he teaches us how to pray is that he acknowledges that we're going to go through tests. And we're going to go through trials. And he acknowledges that when we have these tests and trials, with it, living in this world separate from him will come the temptation and the temptation is to give up to despair to give up hope to give up faith to give up following because it's just too hard and yet it is in these hard moments that we actually can grow the most in our faith and closest to God, and not just for our good, but for the good of others. So in English, we hear, lead us not into temptation. And it could be translated in many ways. Let us not fall into temptation when we grow, go under the trial. Let us not give up and be tempted to give up when we're under trial all that's what is meant and lead us not into temptation but there's one other meaning this is the whole reason why we're in this world and the other meaning is is that so that all that we go through the good and the bad in this life leads us to the final test And the final test is that the end of our lives, as we're taking our last breaths or we're in the course of dying, and, and that course could be two or three or five years of suffering sometimes for some of us. In that test, in that trial, we can be tempted if we've not been shored up and firmed up in earlier trials and temptations just to give up. There is no God because I suffer or because my wife or my children suffered, or because someone close to me died. There is no God. And so at the time when it's most critical, at the end of our own lives, we fall under the temptation of the trial, and we succumb to it. When everything that came before it was to get us ready for this final trial and temptation. Or as the saints say, this final glory because I've also been with many people at the end of their lives who have been one or two dispositions. One is that anger or that disbelief or that despair or whatever. But the other is, I'm ready. I'm prepared. My heart breaks for the people I'm leaving behind. I trust in the Lord, but he's got a plan and I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready for eternity. It's interesting That in Luke's version of the Our Father, he doesn't say, lead us not into temptation. Listen to what he says. And do not subject us to the final test. Isn't it beautiful that the whole context in which we learned the Our Father? was when the disciples came to Jesus and they saw Him praying, how He prayed. And they said, teach us how to pray like this. And Jesus said, okay, I will. And He gave us one of the most comforting and reassuring and powerful prayers that we can ever pray and will ever know and will ever experience. He gave us His prayer. The Lord's Prayer. He gave us the Our Father. Where he taught us, okay, call out to my Father across your life. And he will help you in your growth for holiness. He will give you your daily bread to get through life. He will help you with your sins and forgiving others. And because I know that you will have tests and trials, pray to him that you do not fall under the temptation to give up but allow him to deliver you from that lie and from that evil every day until the final test so that you can be with me and my father forever. What a beautiful prayer that he's given us.